Jeremiah Sinclair. I'm a man of many pursuits. The pursuit of peace, the pursuit of happiness, and the pursuit of a woman. The first two I attain and lose in spurts. The last pursuit was quickly gaining ground and was clearly not going to end well for either of us. But, as always, I assume that you know why I'm here and what I'm doing. Why I'm here is still an unknown quandary that I was hoping to deal with in due time. What I am doing is simple. I was in pursuit of justice, and to attain it, I had to pursue this woman through twists and turns past monuments and onlookers in the streets of Naples, Italy. I'm an assassin. The best, so I am told. I work fast, I work well, and I never leave a witness. I see all of my avenues of both attack and escape. I don't leave anything to chance, and I have never, ever led with my heart or my genitals. Money and pride are motivators for some, but not for me. My only motivator was my client and what they went through to get them to the point where the corporation, my employer, was their only option. The call came while I was in bed, my beloved sleeping next to me. As usual, my connect was brief, curt, and to the point, just the way she always was. Abu this time sent a couple mid to late 30s, African-American, try to have a child of their own and failed. So they took a child of others from a local elementary school in Saginaw, Michigan, currently hiding out in Naples, Italy. I have children. I have sat beside them as they play violin and cello, and I bathed their head with a cool towel during those hot, feverish spells where each cough took my breath away. I treasure my children, hidden away in a corner of my heart where none of those who may wish to harm me would be able to reach them. To lose them would mean also losing a quarter of my soul and my entire mind. I, too, would kill to see them back. The Connect always called from different area codes, and I had ceased trying to track her down based on that information. Today, she was calling from Brooklyn. I wondered if she had a home, a location where she was able to relax, or if she was always on the job. Is there anything else I should know? The child is diabetic, type 1. He carries a month's supply of insulin with him at all times and requires shots daily. It has been two weeks since he was last seen. Sin, if you don't complete this job quickly, the child will run out of insulin and... She pauses, and I can imagine what she was going to say next. Perhaps she has a child of her own and cannot bear to think of such a loss after losing him in the first place. Or maybe, maybe she was thinking about how it would look if I failed. If the corporation's best was unsuccessful. I didn't think much of either, because to me... Failure was not an option. Sin, we don't know the exact location of their hideout. You have to find them and follow them to find the boy. Good luck. I suited up and left out for the airport. As always, the text message came 
alerted me of the money that was being offered for the boy's safe return. It was quite a large amount of money, or rather, a large amount if you weren't aware of the situation. I was positive that the client would have paid any amount for the boy. I would have done the same for mine. Man, Sin, you gotta be in a tight-ass spot to jack somebody else for their kid. Trevor Salas Salento, as always, was never hesitant to voice his opinion of the situation. I tolerated his banter quite the way that a wearied elephant tolerated the fly that buzzed in his ear. We had been friends for as long as I could remember. Almost inseparable. I mean, I dodge kids like my life depended on it. Seriously, the number one killer of men ain't AID, it's KID. And that's a disease that caused you everything. Your money, your life, your friends, your... Shut up, Solace. Not your kids, though. Your kids are great. It's everybody else's kids who suck. I mean, if I had to deal with one more kid throwing food in a restaurant, I'm walking right past them and slapping their father. Got to make an example. I walked into the store a few days ago, and I saw a little boy having the temper tantrum to end all temper tantrums. And his mom was just standing there saying, Calm down, Robert. You're making a scene. The kid stopped pounding the floor long enough to flip his mom with the bird and kept going. Can you believe that shit? As we boarded the flight... Solace was still ranting about other people's kids. I sat silently, waiting for him to finish. So when they left the store, I followed, because I just knew that little boy was about to get his ass whooped. I got out there, and you know what that little punk did? He ran out into the middle of the street, crying about some power ranger toy that his mama wouldn't let him have. I walked over to his mom, and I said... I got a waiver in my car. If you sign it, I will beat the hell out of your son for you. The look on her face let me know that that boy will be in our sights in the next 15 years, sin. Bet on it. I gave him a sideways glance, settled in my seat, and closed my eyes. Sometimes I could handle solace, but I had a lot on my mind. I wanted to focus on the job ahead of me. In minutes, I was asleep. Throughout the flight, I struggled with dreams. In each of them, I faced a past that I would rather not remember. A past which I only saw in my dreams. A child, alone. The front door of the apartment closing as his mother left with yet another man. There was always another man. Another to take away the hole that was left by Sarge. The one who went to war with another country and came back at war with himself and those who loved him. I never knew what to expect from him, except that to trust him to keep a promise meant to prepare myself for sadness. I haven't heard from him in years. I only think of him in my sleep. Benvenita e Napoli, il tempo è sessinta cinque ore. I disembarked the plane and immediately walked towards the concourse, my mind racing. The text message that had come earlier included, as always, the faces of the target or as I like to call them, the guests. I took another look at their faces and, recording them to memory, deleted the text message. I stepped out of the doors of the airport, squinted in the sunlight, and rented a nondescript vehicle. So this should be pretty quick, right? I mean, finding three black folks in this town would be like finding a a speck of pepper in a glass of milk, coal in the snow, chocolate chip and vanilla ice cream. I got it, Solace. 
We drove in silence to the main marketplace in the center of town. As expected, the crowd was bustling and business was brisk. I figured that I'll be able to sit and observe, mark my target, and find my goal. In my line of work, vigilance is imperative. You constantly have to be looking for the opportunity to strike, while keeping an eye out for those who may be watching for you. You never want to lull yourself into a moment of self-confidence, because pride always goes before the fall. I sometimes wondered if revenge would ever come for one of the guests that I had taken care of. But if you wondered about such things for too long, you were only hurting yourself. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a woman sitting at a cafe with a cappuccino. Her hands were wrapped around the cup as though it were providing her with strength along with warmth. Her eyes were lowered, looking into the cup as though it were filled with tea leaves and she were probing it for an answer. She looked tired, yet beautiful, and she was alone. She was my target. The waiter came to her and asked her if she needed anything else, and she shook her head no. She looked into the bottom of her cup again, emptied it, and rose from her seat. She looked around her and, seeing nothing, walked down the street to a grocer. She spoke with him for a moment and selected a loaf of bread and some cheese. She went further down the road and stopped at a meat market, where she selected prosciutto. With her parcels in hand, she continued on her walk, looking at all the world as nothing more than a tourist. And part of the reason why was clear to me. The boy, the one that I was commissioned to bring home, was nowhere to be found, and neither was her husband. Where were they, I wondered to myself. Were they in walking distance, or were they in another via? As she held and got into a taxi, I realized she had answered for me. They were in another area, and if I didn't move, I would never know where that area was. Damn straight, Sin. Checking out that woman like she made out of steak or something. Knowing you married. Boy, you lucky that your wife ain't here, because she would have slapped the black off your neck. We hustled back to the car and began following the taxi. It was five car lengths away from us, a perfect pursuing distance. The taxi went past markets and homes, never slowing its speed and never turning. The chance of her knowing that she was being followed was slim. Winding roads turned into spectacular mountain views, which led to a home on a cliff. She got out of the taxi and walked into the home and closed the door. Usually, I would scope out the house for a week and really gauge the activity of the woman and her husband. But time was of the essence here, so I knocked on the door. Excuse me, signorina. She answered and froze for a second, unsure of where I was or what I was doing at her door. I didn't give her a chance to ask either. I took my chloroform rag that I had waiting and placed it over her mouth and nostrils. She was out in seconds. I carried her into the house, closed the door, placed her in a chair and securely tied her to it, and waited. When the hell are you? I'm no one of importance. So unimportant am I, as a matter of fact, that you will not need to hear my name. What are you doing here? I have traveled a long, long distance to see you. I came to get a package that you mistakenly retrieved. Although it was clearly a domestic package, you chose to take it international. 
What are you talking about? You're not making any sense. You and your husband kidnapped a child from the streets of Saginaw and came here. The child's parents paid me to find him and take care of you. She grew silent, thoughtful. At this point of the conversation, most guests beg for their lives or even cry. She didn't either. Instead, she told me a story. Regina Covington was a hospice nurse in Michigan. She worked for many families over the years, but was never able to develop a family of her own. She and her husband Raymond lived in a two-story brownstone on Court Street. Despite their attempts to have a child of their own, they were unsuccessful due to cysts formed on Regina's ovaries. They were put on two waiting lists to adopt children, and they were looking into becoming foster parents, but time seemed to be slipping away, and they were getting older. John Moore Elementary School was directly down the block from their home, and every day they watched parents take children to and from school. The children were all beautiful, laughing little pieces of sunshine. One morning, as Regina was leaving for work, she heard that laughter, and seeing those children, she realized she could and would not ever have a child of her own. Sure, she could adopt, but it would never be hers. The feeling of pregnancy would never bless her. No Lamaze classes, no late night rush visits to the doctor's office for false labor. That day, in her driveway, she wept. That was the day that I decided that I deserved a child. In my job, I sat and watched life slip away every day. I saw the energy just ebb out of people until there was nothing left but a shell. And seeing those parents parade their children past my home every day, just throwing them in my face, was a slap. I chose a child, and I took him. And he was beautiful, just radiant. I consoled him as tears ran down his face. I did. And by the time we arrived here in Naples, I was his mommy. I was all he needed. You keep saying was. Where is the boy? Do you see Raymond anywhere around here? We got into an argument because I wasn't fully convinced he was really the right daddy for Terrence. Terrence? Yes, that is the name that I gave him. My father's name was Terrence. He would have been so proud to have a grandchild. So where are they now? Raymond. Raymond left with Terrence while I was asleep. No note, no information about where they were or if they would be back. I haven't seen either of them for two days. I don't believe you. And I don't care. I've lost my son. Can't you see that I'm struggling to keep it together? Without him, I have nothing. Nothing at all. Death is better than this. So if you were sent here to kill me, I appreciate it. I thought about leaving her alone and just calling the police. But just as quickly, I remembered that her life and her death were not up to me. They were already decided by Terrence's parents. And at that moment, I was only serving a guest. But to look in her eyes and see the loss, I saw myself in those eyes for a moment, watching my mother leave and never return. I walked into the kitchen and made two drinks. In her drink, I placed two tablets of cyanide. I walked back into the sitting area and looked at her, her mascara streaked, her eyes downcast, and handed her the drink. She looked at me and looked at the cup. She drank it in one swallow and said, Tutto il mondo è un palcoscenico. La morte è un salvatore benvenuto. All the world is a stage. Death is a welcome savior. Then she died. 
There were no specifications of how the death was to be handled, so I made the choice. I took a customary picture and saved it to my phone. Well, that's fine and dandy, Sin, but one problem. Where the fuck is the kid? We only got a week left to get to him, and that's if they kept up with the insulin that he had when they snatched him. Man, we cannot let this Raymond motherfucker get away, Sin. We gotta find him. I know, Solace. But to do that, I gotta make a call. Sin, how did you get this number? 